Ephesians. We are in chapter 1, looking at verse 3 through 6a. 3 through 6a. We are in the throne room of God before the creation of existence, looking at what the Trinity's plan is. So, uh, you are truly blessed among human beings. Following the reading of the word. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him in love. He predestined us as adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to his kind intention of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace, which he freely bestows upon us. A lot of stuff right there, boy. Let's pray. Father, help us. Help us to have ears to hear. Father, let us be open to this, that we understand. And Father, we understand the privilege in When I think about existence and how you have foreordained it, and here we are. Father, open our hearts, open our souls, that we may understand. When the Apostle Paul said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, what he was sharing with us. In Christ's name, amen. We took verse 3, and we called it the aspects of blessings. Now we are looking at verses 4 through 6a, and it's the Trinity's plan. It's part 2, and it's the aspects of becoming, of the forming of the body of Christ. Okay? I shared with you last week, I want to bring it back to your attention, chapter 4, 11 through 13 is, is... Basically, the context of it, but it deals with the body of Christ. What is the body of Christ? What is the church? And he says he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. All right. That is the church. That is the church in the simplest form. Paul had told young Timothy that the church is the pillar and the foundation of truth. Well, how do I get that? Well, some are apostles, some are prophets, some are evangelists, some are pastor teachers. And they are given to the body of Christ to bring about the unity of faith and the fullness of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. That's what it's about. That is what church is. Anything other than that is a perversion. That is what it's for. So, 
We're in the first three, and I shared with you, the first three chapters of this letter is the doctrine of the church. This is the theology of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ manifest to a lost and dying world today. And we need to know this theology. We need to know this theology inside and out. But I watch people struggle with it. Verse 4 is the past. Okay? Is the past aspects. Alright? That is election. It was done in the past. Verse 6b through verse 11 is the present. The present aspects of the body of Christ. That is redemption. Then 12 through 14 is the future aspects of the body of Christ. And that is the inheritance. So you have three key words that you see in this sentence. This sentence starts in verse 3, goes through 14. 202 words, one sentence. That's why he started it off with, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The three key words. One is election. Two, redemption. Three, inheritance. That's what's in this 202 words. What we are looking at right now, what you and I are looking at in verse 4, are the past aspects of this. Okay? This is God's eternal plan. Alright, there's an outline on the back of your bulletin. And it's basically seven parts of God's aspect of this plan that the Trinity came up for the forming of the body of Christ. What does this thing look like and how does it get done? And God says, don't worry, I have a plan. Alright? So today, we will just barely get our toe wet on the method of the forming of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. The method. Election. Alright? We now know why the Apostle Paul was blessing the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in verse 3. He is overwhelmed that God has chosen him before the foundation of the world. We should act that way. We should be overwhelmed that God did this before he ever spoke existence into being. It should be something that lingers close to the front of our brains with every breath we take. Because it is an amazing, astonishing, golly truth. It isn't that you were a good person. It wasn't you deserve to be in the kingdom. It had nothing to do with it. It was done before there was an existence. It's God's will before the world began. The Apostle Paul is sitting there saying, Before the world began, God set His love on me. See, it says, I watch people, and I'm, I'm not going to get into it at any length today, because it's, it's coming. 
I hear people want to take the word foreknowledge. Okay? And they say that God foreknew, which means he knew how you would respond. That ain't what that word means. That is nothing what that word means. The word know there is the same word in the Hebrew that said Cain knew his wife and they had a child. Now, that didn't mean that Cain knew that she liked the color blue or she liked certain flowers. That ain't what the word meant. It was an intimate love relationship that God predetermined before there was existence. It's God's will. Paul was overwhelmed that he had set his love on the Apostle Paul. You and I should be overwhelmed that in eternity past, before there was the world, before there was space, before there was time, before there was matter, God set his love on you. The method by which God forms the body of Christ, the church, is election. I have people on a regular basis. Well, not on a regular basis. I think they've given up. Some have. Do you believe in election? That's what they'll ask me. And then the next thing they jump in is the same thing they always jump into. That is Calvinism. And I always respond the same way. Have you ever read John Calvin? No. No then how do you know it's Calvinism? Well, because it is. I said, well, I read it right here, and it looks like Pauline-ism. John Calvin didn't write Ephesians. It's not Calvinism. It's Paul. Scripture tells me it is God's plan to form the body of Christ After he calls his son back to the throne room. And he was going to do it. How? Through election. Now, I have been in Russia a number of times. They are hardcore Armenianist. Okay? And they will lovingly and joyfully tell you the condition of the American church is because of Calvinism. (laughs) And I said, uh, (laughs) ain't got nothing to do with Calvin. Okay? The question is, do you believe God chooses people to be saved before they are born? And I'll ask you a simple question. What's it say right there? He chose us before the foundations of the world. Do you believe that before the world began, the Trinity wrote down in the book of life, Who would be saved? Now, God has surrounded me. I've shared with you. Many of you know this. I'm not necessarily noted for my planning skills. Okay. So God, knowing my planning skills were so ragged, surrounded me by a bunch of people who are planners. And I'm not sure if they're to torment me or I'm there to torment them. But either way, it's an adventure. When I look at this, I think, what a planner. What a planner. Before the world began, 
the book of life was pinned down. Have you ever heard this? How would you like to have your name erased from the book of life? I would say that God's plan didn't work. That's borderline heresy. Now, I know some people who think their name's in the book of life, but it's not. Maybe not at this moment. But you don't get erased. That's saying, well, God planned it in an old shoot. One slip through. Then the next thing they'll tell me, what about free will? Okay? And I always smile at them. I'm trying to gin up as much loving to them as I can give them. I smile and say, have you not read? Why? That is a non-existent topic in the scriptures. It ain't in there. Listen, man has a will. Right? Please. I, I agree with that a thousand percent. The problem is that man's will is bound to sin. So when he makes his wonderful decisions, what is the motivating factor in the decision? Sin. Okay? Does man have a will? Absolutely. Do I believe? Now get this. Do I believe anyone who wants to come to Christ can? Absolutely. That's what it teaches. Okay? But don't those two seem to be opposite? God sovereignly chooses and man can come? Well, please understand something. And I'll lay it out for you in a little more detail here in a few minutes. The Bible teaches... The absolute, undeniable, unquestionable, unstoppable sovereignty of God in election. Okay? Yet, in John's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 37, Jesus said, Any that will come to me, I will in no way cast out. Hmm. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all you who labor are heavy laden. Seems like you're opposites. Okay? Well, let me see if I can clear this up for you. John's Gospel, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The word that you see there that is translated word is the Greek word logos. All right? That's the word we get logic from. So in the beginning, logic was with God and logic was God. Right? All right, we all get that? 
In God's logic, who was in the beginning, man's will and God's sovereignty are in harmony. You and I have the problem that we don't have that logic. I can't understand. God's ways are not my ways. If I could understand everything, then I would be God. And no one really wants that. Okay? I have a young man that I have been praying for. For nigh on 22 years. For his salvation. I know his mother. He's a tough bird. But he's no different than any of the rest of us. Uh, He likes to get in and out of jail all the time. And I remember telling her one time, and I said, as long as he has breath, God can save him. So, So we don't ever quit. We don't need to resolve this. Man's will and God's sovereignty. I see too many who want to take these two truths and they try to fit them into some kind of middle ground. They're both absolute truths. If you try to make them fit into your container, you will destroy both of them. Okay? But I do want you to know this. It's awesome in the realm of our existence. And you should know this with all of your being. God says he is sovereign. All right. That's where I end up leaning. Why? Because I trust him. I don't trust man. You don't have to worry about how it fits with people coming to Christ. You know why? That's his problem. Right? You may want him. He says, I would have none perish. Well, that ain't working. I know some who've perished. Okay? It's it's one of those things. I remember talking to people over the years that I have walked with the king. They don't share their faith because they're afraid they're going to be rejected. Or what if I do it wrong? Or what if I say something wrong? And and I, I, I wish people would understand this. You can't. You can't screw it up. You couldn't if you wanted to. If their name was written in the book of life before the foundation of the world, you got the eraser? See what I'm trying to get at? You can't mess that up. And I don't lose sleep over it. The the problem is, remember the parable of the four soils? The birds come and steal some of the seeds. Some of them sprout up, but the heat of the world um, burns them up. Uh, And only one out of four... Grows and bears fruit. Okay. You know, and I listen to people saying, well, you know, when you evangelize, you know, one out of four people you evangelize, you're going to, and I'm like, man, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. But I can't tell you this. The problem is it ain't your responsibility. 
It is God's responsibility. All we do is throw the seed out. We don't have to do anything else. We don't have to worry how this fits with people coming to Christ. That is not our problem. That is his problem. He wishes that none should perish. And he says, come. If we are the body of Christ, then we should say, I wish that none perish. So come. If you go back to your text, verse 4, he chose us in him. Okay. He has chosen. Eris middle voice, eklo. Eris middle voice, eklo. To choose out, to pick. Middle voice is reflective. Aren't you glad you got all that information? It means that God is picking for himself. Right? It means that there's no one else involved. He doesn't seek counsel. He doesn't do a popularity poll. It is his willful decision. And in his sovereignty, it cannot be stopped. He has chosen for himself. He did it for himself. Now listen, you got to get a hold of this because we missed this so many times. Look at verse 6. Why did he do this? For the glory of his grace. Why does he do this? Verse 12. For praise to his glory. Verse 14. Praise of his glory. Why did he do it all by himself? For his glory. For his glory. When God chose the church, he chose it for his own glory. Listen, it is not for the church's own good. It is for the glory of God. Chapter 3 of this book, verse 10. The manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church. The manifold wisdom, the multifaceted wisdom of God might be made known through the church. To who? To the rulers and the authorities and the heavenlies. Do you get that? The glory of God is manifested in the domain of God to all the rulers who are in God's domain. And it will be done through the church. He wanted to show the angels how wise he is, not how wonderful we are. Okay? So we are elect before the foundation of the world. We were chosen. All right. Now, I, I want to spend some time on this because I watch people get themselves all twisted up. And you don't have to read the text and say amen. Okay. In the book of Revelations, chapter 13, verse 8. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him. Who? The Antichrist, the false trinity, will worship him. Everyone whose name was not written 
from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb. Those are the ones who will worship the Antichrist. Those whose name was not written in the book of life before when was their name written in the book of life? Before the foundation. Okay? Revelation 17. Also verse 8. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come out of the abyss and go to destruction. And those who dwell on earth whose name was not been written in the book of life from when? Foundation of the earth. Okay, so I really struggle when people have a problem with election. I mean, you know, I'm going to amend the book of life and add your name. No, man, your name was in there. This is what you call divine planning. Well, there shouldn't be a problem with this doctrine. It means that God chose everyone who's saved. And you know what? When I look at it in Scripture, it is always positive. It's never presented in a negative sense. Because the first thing people will come is, well, then that means that God elected some to go to hell. (laughs) That's so stupid. No, they're all going to hell. He saved some. That's the dumbest argument I've ever heard. Well, that means God sovereignly chooses some to go to hell. No, they're all going. But then he wrote the Lamb's Book of Life. And he put the names of every man, woman, and child in that book. Let me see if I can expand this a little bit. See if I can stretch your heads out. All right? All right? God chooses who will be saved. He did it before there was existence. So I got to ask some questions. All right? Because people freak out. I have seen people go to blows on this. I had people cuss me on this doctrine. And I'm like, I didn't write this. Well, you're just a Calvinist. I'm a Paulinist. (laughs) Paul wrote it. When God chose Israel, did he have a contest among all the nations? To see which one he would choose. Because if he had a contest. Israel wouldn't have made it. Nor would any other nation. He did not choose Israel. Because they were the most righteous. Go read Judges. Okay. The Bible teaches us that he set his love upon Israel because that is what he chose to do. He calls them Israel 
my elect. God's elect, chosen of God, Israel. Okay? So we got that down. We're all in agreement. All right. Let me show you a couple other things. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 21. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of his chosen angels. Hmm. Hmm. You know what that means? The two-thirds of the angels that stayed in heaven was God's decision. He chose them. The elect angels. See, I watch people. I want to bless God as long as I make the decision. You know what? The angels didn't. Israel didn't. Let me show you something else that you haven't probably thought about a lot. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. You've read this, but I'm not sure that it ever uh, really registered. He quotes the Old Testament, Peter does. Verse 6, chapter 2. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. Do you note that? You know what that means? Jesus was elect. Same words. Same words that he chose the angels. The same word is that he chose Jesus to be the chief cornerstone. Jesus to his apostles. He told them, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. So the apostles were chosen. Jesus told the group at Antioch, Paul, he is a chosen vessel by me to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Paul didn't wake up and I think today I'll go out and be an apostle to the Gentiles. Israel is an elect. The angels that stayed holy were elect. Christ is elect. Believers are elect for apostleship. So when it comes to the church, it was all by free will. Hmm. Is that consistent with God's nature? The church was chosen before the foundation of the existence. The church was chosen before God created time. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 9. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which is granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. 
It was not according to our works. You know what he's saying there? It's got nothing to do with you. It has to do with God's glory. Nothing to do with what we do or don't do. Or what God expected or what God anticipated that we would do. It is according to his own purpose. His own grace. It was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now you understand why the Apostle Paul said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God set His grace on you before the world began. Okay? Well, let's take it another step then. If that's how it worked. Try this one on. Your physical birth in this world is not just an incident, a coincidence, or an accident. Now, most parents will tell you that I did not plan this. Well, or maybe maybe I'm the only one who said I didn't plan this. <laughs> okay, maybe some of you guys did plan it, but I never did. All right? But it wasn't just an incident that happened. It was a divine plan of God coming together. You ever thought about that? The fact that you're here is God's divine plan. The fact that you took your first breath is God's divine plan. I think it's kind of cool myself. And you and I are living proof that God's plan is coming together. Each were master planned by God. You are part of God's eternal plan that was planned by the Trinity before creation was ever spoken to existence. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 10. This is an awesome one here. That a lot of people miss or they kind of just read over it real fast and they don't want to pay attention to it. And I don't blame them. This second Timothy, you've got to understand, Paul's in the Mamatine prison. You can't get any worse place. They had round cells that were tied to the sewer of Rome. Okay? And they would drop the guys in this cell, and it was just a round room, about 14 feet in diameter. And it was round. Okay? And the reason was, on one wall was a door. And if they could not get to your trial quick enough, they would open that door and that room would act like a toilet bowl. And it would flush all the people in that room into the sewer where they would die, drowned. That's where the Apostle Paul's at when he writes this letter. Okay, He's preparing to die for the gospel. He knows it. He knows it. Okay, But listen to what he says in chapter 2 verse 10. For this reason, I endure all things. Okay? This hole that I'm in, 
I endure this for the sake of those who are chosen. You know what he said there? My whole goal is to reach the elect. All the things that he went through was so that he could reach the elect. Those that God had already chosen. Gosh, it kind of changes the framework, doesn't it? I've got a guy that comes and visits me about every Sunday morning. <laughs> and uh, he's absolutely clueless. He's uh, practicing. Well, I don't know if I. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I. In my before Christ time, I ran with a hardcore Catholic and I made the comment to him one time that uh, the only difference between me and you, Dave, is that you get up early on Sunday. Because we were both doing the same things. I was just smart enough not to get up. Okay. So I guess he would fit into that. And I'm trying to share with him the gospel. And I can't believe his devotion to the priest. And he has absolutely no idea what the Bible says. And I'm like, what are they, what are they telling you? How to be moral. Well, is it working? Well, sometimes. Well, maybe you should go more often. Listen, the Apostle Paul's focus was that he could find those that could take hold of the faith that had already been granted them in God's sovereign decree. I'm not trying to get the world saved. I'm trying to find those who God saved and share with them. There is, what Paul wrote to the Romans, the fullness of the Gentiles. When that's done, the church is out of here. Okay? I would like to find the last one. Let us be done with this. Okay? I don't know who it is. If I knew, I'd go live with them. Okay? The Apostle Paul was a, an evangelist. He'd get chained to a Roman soldier. How would you like to be trained 12 hours to the Apostle Paul? Because he's going to look at you and say, Can I... Could you raise your shirt and see if there's an E on your back? If you're elect? No, man. He looked at everybody as possibly being elect. And when he was under his first Roman arrest, he was chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. Every 12-hour shifts, that someone else would come in and get chained to the Apostle Paul. And he thought that was pretty good. He looked at that. I'm in the chains of Christ. And this poor guy. See? Let me see how clear I can make this. And I'll close with this text. This is one of my favorites, so I saved it for last. Okay? One of my favorite two letters are the letters to the Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. We should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you 
from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and faith in the truth. Let me ask you a question. Don't that seem pretty clear? You know, this doctrine is taught in every book in the New Testament, either directly or implied. Okay, every book in the New Testament has either an implication of this or is just flat out said. God chose you. And I watch people get apoplectic over it. Yet he chose Israel. He chose the holy angels. He chose Jesus Christ. He chose the apostles. He chose the church. Do you realize with that truth how important to the plan of God each and every one of us are? Your birth wasn't a oops. Now what? Your birth was designed and planned before the foundations of the earth that you would be plugged in to the body of Christ at the appropriate time. Every one of us here has come to Christ in different venues, different paths. But you all came. And it wasn't like one day you were wandering down the street and think, Huh, I think I'll go be a Jesus freak. That ain't the way it worked. God planned it. The day that you, He invaded your soul, whether you said, I'm going to make a decision to follow Christ. He says, yeah, I know, it's been about four minutes. Okay? You should take, each and every one of us should take an amazing comfort in that because there's nothing happening in your life right now that isn't right on schedule. Cleo stepped into his presence on Wednesday. Exactly the second God said, come home. And think about that for a second. You can't add to, you can't take away from. Because you were planned before creation to be in the body of Christ. I can't think of anything greater myself. Aspects of forming the body. The method is election. I have two more messages, I think, on election. I don't want you to walk out of here confused. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the love that our brother Paul had for you and is pinned down for generations. Father, I thank you. You chose the heavenly angels. Father, you chose the cornerstone. Father, you chose the apostles and you chose every believer that is in the body of Christ. Father, may we be overwhelmed by that. 
May we understand that our existence is not an accident. Our existence is for your glory and your glory alone. May we strive for that in our walks. May we strive for that in our lives. Father, may we strive for that even in our time of prayers. Help us to understand that uh, it is through your sanctification and faith in the word that we are children of the Most High God. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.